0: Welcome to Soul-Filled Conversations with Farangis Sadagatpour and Randy Rubin. The question oftentimes arises, what is it? Is it fate? Is it destiny? Or is it our desires or our intentions? This question arises and different answers come up at different times in our lives. Is it between destiny of divine providence where God leads you to the hands of divine, the hands of the universe where you're led? Or is it your desire, your will that puts you in a place of where you are at today? Uh, These questions often arises, I do not have the answers to them. Different times, I come up with different answers, which are Obviously, not the answer because they keep the answers keep on changing. At times, I say it's 100% divine providence. At other times, I say it's will. You have to put your will into it, you have to put your desire into it. And at other times, I say it has to be both. Well, here before us today, we are honored to have a powerhouse woman who. Uh, personifies both. She personifies divine providence and will, the desire to be, to become, uh, to make a difference. And uh, together, uh, the equation together has made her who she is today. She is an inspiration. Her name is Mozzie Philip. She is the county legislator at this moment in time that we are speaking. And uh, her story, her journey is phenomenal, and uh, I can't wait to hear it.
1: Randy? Thank you so much, Ferry. Well, we want to take the time to welcome Medzi to our conversations for our listeners and definitely for Ferry and myself to walk this incredible journey. Mazzi, I would love for you to start to take us from your where you were born and bring us into how we got so so blessed to have you as one of our county legislators. So would you like to start with your early journey? Well,
2: uh, thank you so much for having me here and sharing with you my experience as a child, I grew up in Ethiopia, moved to Israel, now in the U.S. So I was born in Ethiopia in a small village called Mojo. And you know, in Ethiopia, especially, in third world country, our life was very basic. A lot of times we really survive. basically. My parents always told us, you know, about Israel, that we are Jewish, and one day we'd go back to Israel. They didn't tell us at the beginning, really. They told us when I was about maybe seven or eight. When we were little, they were trying to keep it quiet because when you are a minority, you don't want to talk about this, especially where we, we used to be. There's no, There weren't a lot of things. So when they told us, my grandma, she passed away two months ago, she always told us, you know, we are temporary here, um, let's pray. So one day we will go to Israel. And we used to go out every night to my grandmother and pray, you know, that the, the America will come through and one day we'll unite with the rest of the Jewish people in, in Israel. So as I said, there were countries, simple life, really basically to survive every day. And with a lot of faith, you know, one day, God will take us home. That was our prayers uh, with my siblings and my grandmother. Uh, And then, you know, that miracle came through in 1991. I was 12 years old. It was a civil war in Ethiopia, between north of Ethiopia, it's called Eshra, and and Ethiopia, south. So it was a civil war, and we wake up in the morning, and the Israeli embassy sent the a couple of people a message to the jewish people to pack not to pack to leave everything behind is to walk to the israeli embassy immediately as i said the civil war started you know like a, a big uh, mess in, in ethiopia the prime minister of ethiopia left the country soldiers were everywhere so when we heard the message we just left everything behind and we walked to the israeli embassy it took us about 2 hours to get there when we got to the israeli embassy we saw so really thousands of people standing outside of the gates. Everybody's trying to go inside and skip, basically. So it was a lot of unknown. Uh, we were tired, you know, food, you no know, water. We don't know if we're going to make it or not. But again, we you know, with a faith that we're going to make it, we were holding each other's hands for hours to hours until our turn came and we found ourselves in service the embassy. We did a quick uh, paperwork and then we were on the way to uh, airport so at the airport you know what they did is what as i said it was a secret operation the only people or the only uh, countries who knew about this was israel and u.s they worked together they paid a lot of money for the prime minister to have a ceasefire for 36 hours and to let the jewish people leave the country immediately before they're going to be in danger so even the israeli society nobody knew about this So when we arrived at the airport, we saw a jump on military jets and they just put us inside the, you know, inside the plane, no seats, no nothing. And uh, I think the first time I got something to drink was that on the plane, they gave us some water, but we were like sitting on the floor uh, on the plane, but we were so happy even though we were tired, we were happy that uh, really the... A dream coming through, the, my grandmother' wishes coming through, and we are on the way to Israel. Now, so three hours, three and a half hours later, we found ourselves in the Holy Land. And I remember, as we were landing, the kids who were singing Evenu Shalom Alechem, we brought the peace with us. And I still remember the lights, you know, like all the lights from the sky, uh, watching Israel. Every time when I go back to Israel, now every time when I fly summer. That memory from 30 years ago coming from, from my mind, you know, how excited I was as a little girl coming to the trail. And as we were exiting the, exiting the plane, I saw my grandmother and my parents were kissing the ground and crying. And of course, I did the same things like them and kissing the ground and, and crying because finally we are in our home. It was amazing to see the Israeli soldiers, young soldiers, 18 years old, female and male, hugging us, giving us a water, just giving us some blankets, just making us come, be comfortable. That was really a really touching point in my experience, which later on impacted me, which I will tell you after that, to see those young soldiers helping us during the time when we arrived to Israel. So, you know, so coming from third war country to beautiful modern society modern country it was fun but in the same time you know you you don't know nothing you don't know the language you don't know how to write and read and and don't forget also after all we have a different color so we are a little different so you're confused you know you're not sure going to make it or not you know into into the new society and especially for our parents we completely were very confused you know like they, they couldn't know they didn't know how to use the basic tools that we all here in the US know I'm, t- I'm telling you like using um, a modern kitchen using a shower you know all those basic things for for people here for us was the first time seeing it feeling it experiencing but as I said my parents were very happy for us that we are part of the nation and um, I am very much very quick I realized also, I am in the Holy Land. I am a, a, an amazing country and I have to be strong. I have to focus and do my best to achieve what I can do. So at the beginning that took us to um, took us to boarding school, you know. That also was challenging because I left, I just arrived, I left my parents, 12 years old, going to boarding school, no mom, no dad. It was challenging, but the government decided to do so because the KPM family coming with a lot of kids, and it was very hard for our parents to deal with all of us. It was a smart decision back then. So I went to the boarding school, and as I said, I was very serious about my future from early age. I knew there was no game to play, there is was no time to cry. So I finished my high school you know, with a good grades. and after that, I just wanted to serve the Israeli army.
0: Mazi, but- I have a question. I'm sorry. Okay. So from the age 12 till the, the age 18, you were in a boarding school? Yes. No,
2: 18, 17. 17. 17 and a
0: half, something like
2: 18 hours in uh-huh. Israeli really
0: army. Uh-huh. And um, can you tell us a little bit about how that experience of separation, a, a little bit about that experience of being and were your siblings with you? Were your cousins, siblings, anybody with you?
2: Some of the, some of the family member was there. I was a little bit scary because you just coming to a new country, and then all of a sudden, there's not mom and dad next to you. So I remember the first few days I was crying nonstop. All I wanted is to hear my mom and dad. But you know, again, those things making you even stronger. Like you know,
0: in that boarding school, was it just for the Ethiopian Jews who had come out, or it was everybody? They just kind of blended you with everybody. Everybody.
2: Mainly a lot of Russians, also a lot of Sabars. People who were born in Israel, who was coming, you know, to the boarding school because they had different background, they had some issues maybe at home. Well. Everybody coming there from different reasons. For for us and for Russians, the community was because we were new immigrants. They felt that is the best um, frame for us, like the best place for us to grow.
0: I see. Thank so, you.
2: Yeah, so at the beginning, as I said, it was scary. You know, you crying. you're finding yourself crying nonstop, you know, only you what your parents. Uh, and uh, But very soon, you know, the boarding school did their best to make us feel comfortable and welcome. They were there for us, really nurturing us. So I made quickly friends, and I was uh, good. I was happy. You know, I was independent.
1: <laughs> uh, so, Mazi, the staff at the boarding school, how did you, like, did you, did you, cultivate relationships with the staffs. Did they did they become mentors or extended family for you through those years?
2: Yeah, they become mentors and extended family really. They become they they, they become your parents, your family members. They are the one who when you are lonely, they're the one you're gonna speak with when you feel sad, when you feel unhappy, when you're happy. They they, they are the first people you are putting there, you know, the the people, who, the your mentors and the director and whoever works there, basically. And I was lucky to be in a good place. You know, they were really nurturing me. It's so nice. And the funny story is one of um, so my personal mentor, it's funny, it's not funny, it's just amazing how this world is uh, exists and works. She, we had a great relationship. She always believed in me. She always said, I know, Mazi, you're going to be a star. You're going to grow. You're going to achieve. I know She always told me that only three years, and when I moved to Great Neck, believe it or not, when I send my kids to uh, daycare here, her sister, two of her sister, living in this in this Great Neck. Mm. So while we were talking, and she told me, "Where do you grow up?" Like I told her, I went to this boarding school. She said, "You know, my sister was a mentor there." Like I said, "What do you mean?" And she said, "Yeah, her name is Salit." I said, "No way, that cannot happen. No That's way." That's
0: incredible.
2: That was, <laughs> and we just, since that day, we become such such a close. Friends, like a family member, have two of
1: her sisters here. So it's just amazing how you know. Incredible. I I want I want to add into that to to pull us in a little bit, right? So in the introduction, we were talking about what's divine, what's what what do we control? And for some reason, Mazi, I was sensing that one of the mentors, your main mentor, had a pull with you, a really big one, like a high level one. And I, I am so grateful to hear about her and her family, because truly there was the chosen family. Many years later, it delivered even more love, more connection, more purpose into your life now with your own children, where where you're not, yeah, you're welcome, where you're not apart. It's now one extended family, community, um, all that you're about, your mission as a legislator has been shown from the earliest age of your childhood, um, you like walking through those paths to get where you are today and now be back with these family members that are rooted in your life. It's I'm it's such a gorgeous story and, and all from caring and community and wanting best for everyone. So thank you for, for sharing that little story. Thank you. <laughs> I, I wanna. I want us to go
0: back uh, to the time of when you're in, in, in boarding school. Uh, can you uh, shed some light on how, if at all, uh, did that shift uh, your relationship with your parents at all? Was there a shift in your relationship with your parents oh, for the three years that you were in boarding school? I
2: mean, it, I always had a great relationship with my parents. I'm very close to them. They have been my inspiration for a long time. They always, you know, believed on me. Always it encouraged me. You know, they always said, "We know you're gonna do great." So I always had a great connection. And the fact that I was away from them was hard, but I knew we had we have this good connection with them. I know their expectation. I know their love and support so we have been very close to each other even more basically.
0: fantastic, that's beautiful, thank you so please take us to the army
2: yeah, so so when I finished uh, high school and really I, don't, I remember I came to my dad and I told him dad, I finished you know, uh, high school now time to serve the country in Israel, as you know, everybody female and male, when they get into 18 years old, they all going to the army this is my time to serve the country so for my dad, I was a little girl, skinny girl, very skinny. <laughs> for him, the like army and you, what's the connection? I can't allow you to go to the army. You are not going to survive, you know? And he wasn't supporting me at the beginning. But when he saw that little girl standing in front of him for the first time in her life, telling him, Dad, this time I make the decision. I'm going to go to the army.
1: He realized
2: he cannot argue with me. And he said, okay, what you want? Good luck. So I, I joined the army and, and a little bit to go back, those girls uh, and young boy and girls I made the, 12 years old at the airport, they, they were my inspiration. When I saw them helping 15,500 Ethiopian Jews who arrived to Israel in 36 hours, being there and just giving that unconditional love to for me and my entire community, it was in my mind. So when I said I'm going to, go to the army, those are the kids I remember. i was 12 years old so i just wanted to be like that to be a person who can give back to the country and help others so it was a clear things for me to do it no fear i was very like motivated to do it and my dad said okay it's what you want you know he will be my blessing and after a three three weeks of training i came with a green uniform and and a gun and my father was the happiest person so proud that he. He couldn't believe that I can even can hold a gun or like be with that uniform. And he was so proud. He even called, he told me, don't take the uniform. Can you stay with your uniform? I want to call my friends. I want them to come to see my little girl. So that was a very catchy moment for him, for my parents, for my mom and me. And um, I have to say the army really even made me grow very quick, very independent, very, you know, after being a year and nine months in the HLA Army, you know you, you know, you know for sure what you want for your life. It made you very strong. Nothing can stop you. You just have to work hard, basically. So it's, I grew very quick, and I knew what I wanted. As soon as I finished the Israeli army, I just wanted to go. I just decided to go to high university to get, to get my higher education. I learned a lot in the army. Um, and also, it was a place you feel like you are just one of the Israeli society. You just feel equal because they're all coming from different places. Um, a lot of new immigrants and a lot of Zabars and people were born in Israel, but we are there for one mission to protect Israel. So we, it doesn't matter who you are, what's your background. And we were there for one mission, and we were so united. Uh, you just feel like you're proud of yourself. You feel you are one of the society. You feel you're giving back something to the country that gave you so much in life. So it was an amazing opportunity. Really, I. You know, sometimes people tell me, "Good, Thank you for serving. I'm thanking the country for allowing me to serve. So that was an amazing experience. So after that, you know, I went to Haifa University to, start, to study my, my bachelor's degree. And then that is where I met my husband. My husband was born, born in Ukraine. Okay, he, he came, he made, you know, he, he made it to the US at the age of 13 and then he wanted to be a doctor he some of his family members lives in israel so he came to israel to study medicine and while i was studying occupational therapy it's a technique on. so he was studying medicine we met each other we had a good, good connection and then i had to make another decision you know he told me from the beginning like if you want us to be together uh, you have to move to this it was clear he came for three years that was the hardest thing to hear, you know, like uh, to hear it because, you know, my dream was to be in Israel and my parents wanted for them to be next to them. So that was a hard decision, but he was a great guy and we wanted to be together. And my parents liked him a lot. And uh, that reason I moved here, basically. <laughs> So again, being a new immigrant, again, it was scary things again, you know, you feel, you just learn a new language, you feel you are part of the Israeli society, you feel you, you just finish your, you know, like your first degree and master degree, you, you just can do whatever you want there. And then you have to move here to another beautiful country, but with almost no, no language, and new culture. So that was another scary moment. But again, life taught me to be very strong and believe in myself and, uh,
0: keep going. So, so, Mazi, you were in Israel for seven, eight years? No, more than that, It's 15 years. Oh, for 15 years. Uh, so through that process, you graduated high school, you went to army, you went to college, you met your husband, you became an occupational therapist. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And
2: then I went to study,
0: I went to Harvard University to study Diplomacy in Security. Uh, what is it? Diplomacy diplomatics uh-huh. yeah. okay okay got yeah. it and then you moved here you got married and then you moved here yeah. okay yeah. okay so 15 years into coming from Ethiopia into israel and the process of learning the language of meeting the culture the people and everything else you're adapted to a certain society to a certain country the way of life your parents your close one your loved ones and now with one person whom you love you are moving to america yes. okay and you don't have any family anybody here
2: nobody alone
0: <laughs> alone okay completely.
2: okay and moving to new york was even like oh my god look at the city like what i'm gonna do here how, how i'm gonna communicate with people right. how i'm gonna just survive here you know like another uh, fear in my mind but um i guess i'm more stronger than i think like now when i go back and i'm thinking about the steps i did in my life i it's hard to believe because i never thought i would be able to accomplish and do so much and um and, and and again in a new country so but that was with me always and uh, you know a great husband and um,
0: and uh, now as you know I'm a mother of seven kids at that point when you moved to United States you did not have kids
2: no yes.
0: no okay
2: college you know we we just start from zero me and my husband
0: wow <laughs> <laughs> okay, so take us take us through that. Oh, so when you came here, how that was for you? He must have been a resident at a time, or I'm not sure if he was. He wasn't, and how how that life was to rebuild life all over. And the language, did you know the language?
2: A little bit, really basic English, really basic, basic English. Basic
0: English. Yeah.
2: So it's the The start was scary. I will. I have to say when I arrived, and oh, my God, I gotta say how I'm going to do it here, even like to drive, I was driving in Israel, and even the idea of driving in this country was scary, like all the bridges, the tunnels, it was, again, you know, like you have to put yourself together and, and stay strong, but he really, he's a very supportive husband, and he knew I'm moving here because of him, so he become my, my family, he become my parents, my friends, my, he become, you know, like everything for me, and, uh, while he was doing residency, I you know, was moving from place to place with, you know, with him. You know, He did a residency in Bronx for three, three years, and then he moved to Stony Brook to study, to finish a um, fellowship as a cardiologist, so I was moving with him. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was hard, but again, I knew there's no way going back. I knew there's no time to cry. One thing my parents taught me, you always have to believe in yourself. And crying is not going to help. You have to do your best, basically. Like, be strong and believe you can do it. And this is a message I'm trying to teach my my kids as well to be strong kids and focus on what's important, what's not important, you put inside. And, um, you know, so I learned the language and. I found a job, uh, I was working with uh, a lot of non-profit organizations, Jewish nonprofit profit organizations, because they saw me as a person who can really do reach out to many people here in the U.S., so I was traveling around the U.S., giving uh, talks about you uh, can Jew, about Israel, being a minority, um, I was working for another organization who was reaching out to non-Jewish uh, groups uh, and African-Americans, and just to tell about Israel from um, my experience, you know. So building that connection between African Americans and Israel was very important for me back then. And I joined the Israel at Heart organization. We were doing a lot of outreach. We were sending a lot of young um, um, kids from here to Israel. And we were bringing a lot of educated kids and Jew from Israel to here talk about Israel and to build that connection. So I was involved with the Jewish uh, organization, which helped me to all of a I realized it's so important so even though I'm not I'm away from my family but I am in the country that I can do a lot I can I can help the Jewish people I can unite with people so it gave me the power to you know there's meaning for why I'm here basically I can the purpose and if I can be a voice um yeah. listen what what else what else you can ask like that's amazing yeah, feeling so so that, those things really helped me to become more stronger and uh, happier and uh, even uh, aim higher, basically.
1: And you aimed higher as you were building your family, Mezzi, to realize that your voice and your journey, as everyone's, is very special. You found your you were able to tap into the gifts and work with them as you did, like he's like, okay, you know, my journey is here. People know that I'm Ethiopian. People know that I'm Jewish. How can I unite not only the Jewish community, but how can I unite people outside the Jewish community to see what it's about? Where is the connection? How can I help? And that is purpose in in every way, as well as you aspiring to reach your goals, right? Which you've done and you continue to do. So, at this story, part of the journey, how did you tie into wanting to become a county legislator and even spread more goodness? How did that come to your table where we are today?
2: So as I said, since I was always involved with, um, I was a organization musician, a non-profit American, and I was also doing my uh, internship at UN for a couple of months. So, so it was always part of my, part of me to, to to be a voice and to bring people together. So living in in a country, a beautiful country like this here and moving to Great about nine years ago, you know, you, you start to feel you are just part of the community, a beautiful community. And when things going wrong and things changing in front of you, you feel, okay, it's not enough to be a mother of seven kids or just, you know, having a job and don't worry about this other stuff. You start to worry about your kids now. This is a place they're gonna live, and as a parent, you have the obligation to do something about things you don't like. So a lot of things happened the last two years since COVID, really, uh, as you all aware of it. But At it, the personal level, you know, when last time, last year, when you know, like when uh, how you call it, you know, the um, the movement, the movement of uh, Black Lives Matter and other movements started. And I felt like the issue become between white and black And being a married to non-black man and having biracial kids, and you see the place is unstable, um, you feel, oh my God, what is going on in this country? And You have a fear. It's like this is the place you want to raise your kids. This is the place you want to live for the kids. Uh, and I felt like. No, we can choose other ways. We can really build a better connection. We can bring people together. We can connect with each other. And shouldn't be a color issue. We all, human race, you are part of this beautiful nation. And we have to do something to build the connection. It cannot be black and white or Asian, non Asian, or Jewish, non Jewish. And the anti Semitism, in with time started rising up. Um, and, and also like the last war in Israel also made me feel like a lot of people were judging Israel. Um, even the right of Israel to protect uh, you know, its country. And I felt it wasn't fair uh, not to hear the story from both sides and, and, and just just speak fair, basically. I felt like you know, people were speaking without knowledge. And uh, so I felt, no, I, have, I, have, I, I think I can do better. I think I can be a voice. I think I should bring people together. And, and also my son last year uh, at the school, you know, he experienced not a good um, stuff. One of the boys at school told to group of Jewish kids, oh, you know, Hitler should be finishing all. We should all be, you know, dead. Uh, my son comes with this feeling and sharing with me why a seventh grader would say something like this was painful. It shouldn't come from seventh grader. shouldn't come from anyone else. So to come from a child, something like this is very powerful. And you understand that something is wrong here. So, all those things made me feel you know what? It's not enough to complain and to hear the stories, and you have to be, you have to take a part. And when the county legislative position came and local leaders told me, Mazu, you can do it. At the beginning, as I said, I wasn't sure. But then I realized all those reasons made me feel, you know what? If I can be a voice, if I can be a bridge, if I can bring people together, I should do it. And that's the reason why I took this mission. Uh, being pregnant having five years being pregnant with twins nobody knew about this it's all a secret uh, and campaigning for eight months and nine months it wasn't easy but uh, i knew i knew in order to be successful you have to work hard and when you have a faith and uh, and you're giving so much support from the community with so much love it's just giving you the energy i you know saying that you're doing something good that the community needs you and They really showed me. I mean, they were behind me, so I'm happy to be a county legislator, and I can't work. I can't wait to start to work and really build the bridge, Uh, bring everybody together.
0: Mazi, um, thank you for that. Uh, So, first of all, congratulations on winning the election. But um, you stand in a unique position of many different minorities. Minority as a woman, minority as a religion, minority as color, minority as coming from a third world country. So you have a unique position where you're standing, you're bringing all of these together. Had it been somebody else, it could have been, um, you you can take one minority and with one minority, we can become a victim. And yet you have taken all these minorities and made them your empowerment, made them your strength, made them who you are as Mazi, rather than your weaknesses. They are not your weaknesses. As a matter of fact, they are are your voice. They are who you are. And with pride, you, you wear them. So thank you so much for that, standing in that unique position and showing the rest of us, and not only just the rest of us in this community, but the rest of us in the in, in the world, in the world at large, in the community at large, that it doesn't matter what minority you are, doesn't matter what uh, shortages you have in your life, doesn't matter that when you were 10 years old, you didn't know what shower was, and you didn't know what refrigerator was, and you didn't know what oven was, That should not lead the rest of your life, but that all of that come together, all of that put into the soup of yourself, into the soup of who you are, can make something incredible and unique uh, out of you. That that has purpose, that has mission, uh, that does make a difference and walks this life with uh, strength, with pride of uh, who they are and who you are. So uh, really, this is an incredible journey of uh, faith, faith and strength. Uh, Mazi, I want to ask you, what were the tools that you used throughout going through all of them? I, I heard about your parents that they encouraged you all the time. What, what other things gave you the oomph, they gave you the strength uh, to become who you are today?
2: Yeah, so other than my parents really raising me with confidence, I think confidence is so important as the child. It's what I'm trying to do with my kids to, um, you know, to, to believe in yourself and, and be proud of yourself and be happy with who you are. Uh, and second, it's really a faith. You have to have a faith. Faith. Have a faith yeah definitely because life you have up and down moments and when you have a faith it's just bring you bring you bringing the energy back and you know just to keep going So faith was uh, something
1: that's always been part of my life you know mezzi what i've also picked up on and please tell me if i'm on the right note here you have a beautiful sense of humility along with your resilience. Um, I'm touched by it. Your faith, for sure, I sense in every word, your resilience, but your humility and the knowledge of who you are, correct. That was given to you by your grandma, by your parents, you know, knowing that you are capable and, and your faith. But the humility is beautiful to see. You know, it seems like every day you're in that space of showing up your as your best self. Even in the days where there are challenges, as you've admitted, you know, being a human being, we all have them but I love the humility and the grace that you've brought through on our little podcast to be, to be told in such a way that I am all of these things from the foundation that I came from. But even in the uncertainty, I delivered what I had to with humility too. So that for me is a huge honor, Messi. And I think so many people um, are, are blessed to be in your space, to learn so much that together, right? Because your mission, once again, is the unification of everybody. It, it's irrelevant it's where you come from, what you come from, what you go through. The story is relevant, but no one knows until today, right? Um, and hopefully our listeners, who you are, from where you've been and where you stand today and what's, what's being accomplished. That connection to you is inspiring because it does show that we are capable. If we put a little spin of faith in there and a little bit of an acceptance and a lot of resilience, we can achieve so much. And I feel that you've given us light to what the possibilities are on a journey. So for that, I'm fully, fully grateful to you, really. An honor to have you with us. Thank
2: you. Thank you so much very very warming words you're saying and it just it, it, i'm very happy to hear it from you and and uh, it's really also like another thing to, to see the good you know if you're busy seeing the bad and always bad uh, and then you can't go nowhere you're just gonna find yourself unhappy and to see the good yes it will be bad things and we can affect that life, but i'm trying to put the light on the good ones and, and to focus on what's important and don't take everybody's coming personally too, you know, like, people will, I can tell you when I moved to Great Make, two things happen. A lot of things happen. But two things I can tell you. One is my kids when they were born, they were like, very light skinned, very like, light, light skin, but you wouldn't think they were my kids. So the, when I was coming to pick them up from school, uh, the mothers told me, Oh, um, you, both parents are working like the parents are not here to pick up the kids. They're both working and say, no, just my husband, I'm the mother. Okay. So they say that not because, because of bad place, they say that because they see uh, like light color kids with me. So they assume that I am just a nanny. So they say that, okay, so you explain, you know, I'm the mother, you don't take it personal and you move on. And the same things when I was trying to find somebody to help me, a, a nanny, they baby so, when, as soon as I walked into the office, the secretary told me, Hey, come fill out the paper. She assumed so I came to look for a job. She couldn't imagine, Oh, I came also to have a nanny, you know? So, you, you explain yourself and you move in. You, you do you move out. You don't take it and say, Oh my God, how come she says that? I'm not dealing with this kind of that. I just understand people why they would say it. Uh, sometimes, really, from a pure place. And sometimes even if this comes from the bad press, I don't have time, the energy to focus on non-important things. I just I just say, if this coming from a bad press, I feel bad for them. If I can, I will educate them, but I move on. So I think it's a very important tool for anybody, any any minority, any new immigrant, anyone who's, you know, like it's just it's just a very good tool to have it, and this is what I'm telling my kids, you know, keep emphasizing.
1: Those kinds of things, I have to say that message again, an elevation on so many levels. And yes, on the minority piece, it's imperative that those messages are shared the way that you're doing it. But I also feel as human beings, we are in a state of judgment instead of a beautiful term, compassion over judgment. Our words are so essential and voice was a very big factor on our dialogue with the three of us today, using your voice using your voice effectively minding the words that come out of your mouth in general as a whole as a society regardless if you're green blue or yellow we have to understand that we have purpose here you knew your purpose you found your purpose you are an educator for someone that doesn't know better right because that's someone that would openly make an assumption they're not no disrespect but they're not thinking processing before they're using their voice that they were given as a gift, right? The most effective way is you as a legislator, Ferry and I in the work that we do, we recognize with humility that our voice is a very big gift and very powerful. When it's used effectively, it has the ability to evoke so much positive effects. When a person is not mindful of what escapes their brain, there's a purpose in that too. I feel that that purpose, that person that thought you were the nanny or were looking for a job for a nanny, believe it or not, I feel you were the messenger to those two scenarios. And then, like you said, there may have been more, you had to be that educator and that voice there. And then, because all of a sudden the person that you, the company you were going to give business to for your own children, because that's a business, that person I hope got an education. Whoa, I better not you know, make assumptions here, this you could be, or anyone like you could be her best client, her best referral. I hope that there was a moment of awareness that you gave with the humility that you shared. And the moment, right. And the moment that you told those parents of the same children that were getting picked up yours and, and theirs, that your child, one of your seven could be the best friend to their child. Because school age children, no matter what it is, it's very difficult in these times, very, very difficult. And if you can be a friend, it is probably life saving because we all at times feel isolated. So now maybe that parent could, and I'm just putting good energy out there, could look at it and say, that beautiful smile that that mom gave me. And now I know that her child could be in my child's class, maybe. That has a wonderful purpose because from a mom like you, I'd be honored to have your children in my home. So I just want to thank you for all of that effort that you put out there explaining both of those times. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Mazi. so
0: here are some thoughts that you brought forth. Faith, strength, confidence, Uh humility, just going after uh, those things that are important to you going uh, stepping forth into your purpose can you give us some last words what what would you like us to know as as we are concluding this podcast what are your last words that you would really like us to know and go away with that we can use for our own life in our everyday life
2: um i think i said everything but uh, <laughs> i would say you know just- Keep um, keep uh, you know uh, the faith all the time. Believe in yourself. Be kind. Uh, accept everyone. Don't judge. No need to judge. We are all one race, human race. We are one, you know, beautiful uh, nation, and we just have to respect, even if we don't agree with each other. Okay, even if I have a different opinion, we just have to be very respectful. One of the things I did in my campaign, uh, I never have personally uh, the, our she's still our uh um Ellen Brambaum. I thank her for service, you know, she was serving servicing us for six years, even more. It's not time to look for the best part and say, Oh, why didn't this this always to complain? It's just to say, you know what, you are there for us. Thank you for being there for us and be thankful and, and don't judge don't attack people, be peaceful. You still can have a beautiful campaign without hurting nobody's feelings. And I think one of the things I, was also hard for me to see with our politicians, politicians, in, in national-wide, is it just, you know, at some, point, at some point we lost the respect for each other. We were like not respecting, we were attacking in a personal level. And saying things, leaders shouldn't say that. Uh, what kind of example are you going to be for? the next generation what kind of things you want your kids to learn if you are not respecting for each other you know like what kind of leaders you are so I think that it's time for us to really think before we're saying anything be very respectful it. we should accept each other and even if we don't agree with things we still have to find ways to communicate with each other I think that's, that's my message to all
0: of us that's amazing thank wow. you so much thank you. That's incredible thank you so much so I want to go back with what I started. Is it fate, destiny, or is it our intention and uh, our uh, conscious choices? And I want to say with Mazzi, she has proved that it's both. It is our fate. It is divine providence. Divine providence puts us in places, puts us in situations, but at the same time, it is our effort. It is what we put into it. It is what we do with it. It is what we do with the gifts. It is what we do with our situations and circumstances. And it is what we mold it to be our purpose. And it is what we give it a voice. So I want to thank you so much for that, Mazzi. You have answered a huge uh, question in my head. (laughs) And with that strength, I I will also go forward in my life, bringing, needing the two of divine providence and my own will um, together. Thank you for giving us that strength. It has been, this is Soulfield Conversations with Ferengis Sadegatpour and Randy Rubin. It has been a privilege to be with Mozzie. It has also been a privilege to be with our community, our extended community. Any questions, uh, please, or any feedback, which by the way, we've gotten a lot of feedback from the other podcasts. Thank you for all your feedbacks. Uh, You can email us at soulfieldconversations at gmail.com. Or you can reach us personally, Farangis Saragatpur and Randy Rubin. Thank you, Mazzi, for being here. Congratulations. We wish you uh, many years of success, strength, and mazal on, on your way. And uh, privilege that we have crossed paths.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I had a wonderful time to learn from you. And also, I would love to thank the entire ethnic community, the this District, for. Support and the love they
0: provide me throughout this campaign. Thank you, all of you. Thank you. My love to all. Take care.